0: Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Good afternoon. Another Thursday. Another Thursday in lockdown. I guess that's the reality that we now have to deal with. Here we are, broadcasting live from the comfort of our own home. And hopefully you're in the comfort of your home as well, staying safe. And keeping your chin up, because that's the big challenge these days, right? Not just to stay safe, but to stay sane, to keep your wits about you, not to lose it. And I suppose to be patient. A big part of what we need to do is to be patient. So I definitely hope that your experience right now is good, positive, that everybody around you, obviously yourself included, is healthy. That's the most important thing. And healthy in mind and spirit as well. It is fresh thinking, and as we do on a Thursday afternoon, we try and explore things from a somewhat different perspective, always with a spiritual angle. At the moment, because people are feeling so, kind of disconnected, so I think it's, it's important if we can have a conversation, not just a monologue. And I always try and encourage you to participate and share your thoughts, so here's your opportunity and platform to do so. So get involved and be part of the conversation. Here are the numbers that you need to know if you haven't already saved them on your phone. SMSs go to 34519. Messages via Telegram go to 0618951019. And you can tweet at FM. If you prefer, you can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. It's coming up for another Shabbos. Another Shabbos without shul. It's phenomenal. I and mean, it's just like mind-blowing to think about this. <clears throat> and one of the big controversies around is people trying to create those underground minions. Not so much here in South Africa. We've been quite compliant, which is good. But around the world, generally, and you hear so much conflict and blame in both directions, people blaming others for being irresponsible and getting together, gathering, people blaming and saying that there's no reason, we're keeping social distancing, why can't we go to shul, why can't we govern? And I, I was curious to hear and to share and to discuss... What your feeling? Not this is not a question about what your feelings are around the restrictions and whether you think they're appropriate or inappropriate. That's not today's conversation. But what I would like to hear about is how much are you missing it? How much? And it's honest answers. Let's be honest. Are you missing Shul? And if you are missing Shul, how badly are you missing Shul? How much is it a part of your life? I think for some people, it's, it may be a little bit odd that there was no shul on Pesach and that kind of unnerved them. And now that we've moved on and it's okay. And for other people, it's like there's an integral part of life missing. So I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are. And by extension, not just to talk about how much you're missing shul, but by, or, or not missing shul, how much you're okay without shul, because that's also a, an acceptable response. There's no judgment over here, but. <clears throat> The question that it leads to, and this is where I really would like to hear your thoughts, is how important is Shul to us? Not you could speak, I suppose, theoretically, philosophically, to the religion, but on a personal level, how important is Shul to us as individuals? So those are the two things we're going to talk about today. Number one, are you personally feeling that you miss Shul? Number two, how important is Shul to the Jewish experience? I'd Love to hear your thoughts. Again, three, four, five, one, nine. That's for SMSs you can also telegram us 0618951019 This is fresh thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla very interesting how people do respond and that's great I'd like to encourage you to participate get involved get involved in the conversation it is something that I, but what is interesting to me is how people respond some people respond just like a like a number out of 10 you know <laughs> which is okay very nice you can give us a number out of 10 but I'm more curious to hear what is going on in people's minds like how much does it talk to us how much do we care how much do we feel the lack of shul so that's today's question how much are you missing shul and the extension of that is how much do we need shul as a jewish community so somebody's given me an 8 out of 10 out of 10, 8 out of 10. I guess that means that you kind of like almost at the point of desperation. If it's an 8 out of 10. I know they do that with a pain scale, you know, in, in, in the medical field when they want to assess how much pain a, a uh, patient has. So they give them the, the rating out of 10 scale. And I suppose people find it quite useful to be able to try and relate to things in that way. So 8 out of 10. I, I'm not quite sure how to interpret that. I don't know exactly what an 8 out of 10 is. But, uh, you know, by all means, if, if that's what you feel, rather give us a little bit more insight. It's an interesting conversation as a rabbi because rabbis, obviously, I mean, our whole life centers on the community. And one of the biggest places of engagement with the community is in shul. And I have to be very careful what I say over here. It's not all about shul. And you need to know that, that even for the rabbis, I think people tend to believe that the rabbi's job is in shul. And so when shul is on lockdown, the rabbi has an extended vacation. So you really need to appreciate it's not that way at all, at all. There's plenty responsibility and plenty that happens outside of the shul space, plenty that we are dealing with and I suppose it's similar to to teachers. You know, teachers are not in the classroom, but boy, oh boy, are they involved? Are they engaged? Are they working with their students? So it is an interesting question from a rabbi's perspective. How much am I missing shul? It's an interesting one, and I, I kind of fluctuate a little bit. There's some days where I feel, oh my gosh, like this is ridiculous. How can we go for so long without shul? And then there's other days where I feel, you know what? To be honest, there are other ways to engage with the community, and it's it's nice. It's nice to have a little bit of quiet time to actually to be able to daven. You know, when you're the rabbi, you don't necessarily always get to to focus on the prayer experience because you're too busy. Leading and engaging. And, and it's actually, I'll be honest, and perhaps this is a public confession, right? It's actually nice to have that opportunity just to take it at a slower pace and to be a little bit m- more reflective and meditative on the governing experience. So there are upsides to it, which you've got to be careful to say, obviously, because it's not the intention, surely. The intention is to worship as a community. It's to act as a community. He has Moish on Twitter, who says, Missing Shul big time, but only for community interaction. Lockdown has proven to me that as long as you have Jewish books at home, what happened to your thing? As long as you have Jewish books at home, you can get a better experience than at Shul. No distractions, no half an hour wasting time walking or driving, and Shi'urim over Zoom have been a life changer. So how's that? Uh, And I think that's very honest. I think it's very honest coming from, from Moishi. That's that's quite a thing, right? Missing Shul for the social interaction because there's so much spirituality available to us in our own homes. I think it resonates with what Judaism is all about because Judaism at the end of the day is not based on a location. There are certain parts of Judaism which operate better in Shul like, for example, the, the Minyan. The ability to be able to say certain of the prayers that you need a quorum in order to be able to say. But it's, we're not a religion that is tethered to a location, certainly not to a temple per se. Because if you think about it, for the last 2000 years, we haven't had a temple as in a major temple sitting, you know, at the epicenter of Judaism and we've done, we've done quite well. And the other side of it is that so much of Jewish observance is personal and in the home and Maybe even more in the home than it is in shul. So the the experience and the spiritual connection is alive and well. Alive and well. So it's interesting. Definitely interesting. And it's, it's just interesting to me how it becomes about socializing. And here is at Jewish Connectivity, also on Twitter, who says, I miss socialization with people who share many of my values. So basically... Being in an opportunity, being in a space where you can hang out with and socialize with people who are of similar values and, and, and similar headspace. But is that what a shul is? Is a shul a place where people get together because they share, maybe they share the same values. I mean, that's gotta be the case, right? If you're coming to a shul, it implies that you share the same values. Shul is something important. God is important. Judaism is important. Heritage is important. But I don't know if I would ever suggest that everybody in a shul is on the same page, not at all. Shuls are diverse places. You get all kinds of people. So yes, the social element is missing if you don't have the opportunity to go to shul. True. To say that the social element is with people who are like-minded, and not convinced. Don't think that everybody is like-minded in the shul space. And, and of course, just saying that you missed the social element raises a very touchy question. And let's throw that question out. Very touchy question. If the goal and the objective of going to shul is not the spiritual connection, because you could do that at home, you've got books and there are Zoom opportunities and you can have the most phenomenal classes, because now you, know, you typically would have gone to a shiur in your immediate neighborhood. And now you can go to a shiur anywhere in the world. Because all the content is streaming, and once you're in the Zoom platform, why are you confined to where you are? The best teachers in the world are giving Zoom classes, and you can you can connect to them. So if you're going to tell me that the big issue around not having Shul is the lack of social connection, it begs a very sensitive question. Surely, if it were not lockdown, if you were not stuck at home, Surely there are other environments where you could achieve the same social connection. Surely it doesn't have to be in a shul. Yes, I know the, the shul bracha. You know, after the service is over and everybody sits down and you have something to eat and you have a schnapps, and it's very very social. But there are plenty other places where you could be social. Surely you could be part of a group of people who runs every morning. You could go to the local park. You could hang out at a, a, a I don't know a bar. Surely there are other places to be social. So if, if it's the social aspect that makes shul relevant, then is it possible that after all of this is over, shul becomes less relevant in people's lives? Because they've discovered, hey, I can connect spiritually at home and socially I can probably connect elsewhere. And I think a lot of what's going to happen after this is that we get to rethink where we need to put our focus and how we need to live life because we've just taken things for granted for a very long time. And the entire coronavirus experience has forced us to reassess and revisit every aspect of what we do and why we do it and how we do it. So this might be one of those things we'll probably, I mean, I expect that it's going to happen. People are going to reassess their relationship to Shul. There's some people who every single morning in all of our communities get together and have a Zoom davening. Not that it qualifies as a minion, but they want to be able to have the experience of praying together because it means so much to them and they don't want to lose that. Those people, I think, will slide right back into Shul, no problem. But other people have very likely become quite comfortable with this idea, hey, It's actually nice. I I enjoy my home and and my creature comforts. Why do I have to step out and go to Shul? That's really why this is a big question, right? A big question for us. What is it that makes Shul so relevant? Love to hear your thoughts on that one. 34519. If you'd like to share an SMS, you can also tweet at Chayefem. You could tweet me at Rabbi Shish or you could send a message on Telegram 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Talking today about shul or the lack thereof. And people are interesting. We're wired to get used to things, to adapt, to habituate. So the fact that we haven't had shul for an extended period of time and possibly are not going to have shul for an extended period of time, maybe we're just getting used to it. Again, some people won't. Some people will feel very, very lost without shul and and will be quite keen to get the shul experience going as soon as possible. But a lot of people, I think, will become quite used to it and say, listen, there are those special occasions, Yontov, and so on. So why? what's so significant about it? Listen to this one. This is Brother Yitzi on, on, on Twitter, who says, I really miss the community aspect. And listen to this. I would have loved to have said Kaddish on my grandmother's yurt site. But now that everything is online... I'm attending a lot more classes because it's a lot easier to make the time when I don't have to travel to and from my house. So there's an interesting aspect, right? The minute you start to talk about something personal, we know, unfortunately, of people uh, someone in our community, for example, has a Eurotite tonight. Obviously, many people have had Eurotites during the course of this lockdown. People have, unfortunately, lost family members during this time and they have been unable to have proper prayers as we would normally have done. So... That's a big challenge. That's really personal. If, and the, the bottom line is that the tradition does not allow us to be able to say Kaddish in a virtual space. There are many other things you could do. You could say Tehillim. You could learn something together. You could give Tzedakah. There are many other things you could do that would elevate a person's soul and they're very meaningful and powerful. But the concept of saying Kaddish is currently offline. It's unavailable. And that's very... I I shouldn't say that. I mean, Sanregum Gardens, as we know, has a minion. They've been on lockdown right from the beginning and they have a daily minion and they've actually saved the community at this point. They say Kaddish on behalf of people who are unable to say Kaddish. But it's I think that's where it gets very personal. Another place where it gets very personal is people who are alone. Somebody messaged me. I'm not going to say a name, but somebody messaged that when the shuls were locked down, that was the end of their social interaction. Now, just think about that for a second. That's quite something. Something we don't necessarily think of. Some people, their entire social life is built around the shul experience. Those are the people they interact with. That's where they have the opportunity to go to people's homes for a Shabbos, to get invited, to spend a Tov together, to share So while I definitely agree that there's a lot that could be replicated at home in terms of learning, in terms of focus, in terms of lack of distraction, somebody earlier today sent me a WhatsApp that says, well, the good news is I haven't spoken in shul for seven weeks, (laughs) which is it's a good point. You want to look at the silver lining. That is a good point. And some people will tell you maybe the social aspect of shul is a problem. I think there are people who really believe that. I personally do not believe that. But I think there are people who believe that, that the social element of shul is the problem. You should be coming to shul in order to connect with God. You should be coming to shul in order to daven. And that's true. Not discounting that. Obviously not. That is the primary purpose. At the same time, I don't think it detracts from that purpose to have the opportunity to connect with your own community, to connect with people who you care about and who are like-minded and have similar values and to be able to, to Let's be honest, there's a certain element of networking that also happens. And it's not only business networking. It's life networking. So people introduce people and shiduchim are made and um, I don't know, all kinds of things happen in the context of a, uh, of a community. And in the absence of shul, you just don't have those things. You just don't have them. So there's the part that's deeply hurtful to people. They can't mourn. They can't grieve. They can't say kaddish. We all know how personal that is. Not to be able to have the opportunity to say Kaddish, it's deeply hurtful and difficult for people who have a very strong social element built around the shul. And yes, on a on a spiritual level, maybe we don't feel that uh, that we needed so much for the spiritual. Maybe we're feeling wrong. Maybe there is a spiritual aspect to the shul that we are not paying enough attention to. It's also a possibility, right? Um, uh, and just on cue, just on cue. So <laughs> here's the message: Isn't the point of shul to connect with God? And if that's the case, do we need shuls? Nobody thought we could survive without the base of Amikdash, and yet here we are, just asking. I actually said that right at the beginning, right? That there there was definitely a time in history where we were convinced that without having a temple, there could be no Judaism, and not only that. There were brands and branches who had become fringe elements within Judaism who did fall to pieces without a temple because they felt that this is what the whole thing was about. And that's why they're no longer around. But we who understood that that Judaism is portable is a very good lesson, by the way. Very good lesson. When God commanded Moses that they should design the sanctuary, the Mishkan, the, the sanctuary in the desert, so they had to make an ark. And that ark, which was then replicated, uh, well, not replicated, it was it was then replaced uh, into the into the temple, Solomon's temple, and uh, you know, so that that um, that ark was designed in such a way that it had to have poles. That you used the poles to be able to transport the ark. And the Torah makes it very clear that Lo Surah that you can never. In fact, it's a negative commandment, it's a prohibition in the Torah to ever remove those poles. So again, the purpose of the poles was that you should be able to transport the ark. But the ark would sit in the same position in the case of the first temple for over 400 years. And in f- over 400 years, you were not allowed to remove the the handles, the handles that you used to be able to carry the ark, even though you knew you couldn't move it. So long time ago, it had a beautiful interpretation, which is that the ark obviously is what housed the tablets with the Ten Commandments. So it represents the Torah. It represents the guiding Concepts that judas have to live by, and the fact that it has to be portable is a very important thing, which means to say that Judaism has to know how to re- relate to different circumstances. We have to know how to adapt. Now we've got to be careful of that because obviously some people take it out of context and say we live in a modern world and so certain old things are no longer relevant. That's that's not the meaning. The meaning is when something becomes unavailable, like when the temple became unavailable, then Judaism had to refocus. And that's where the prayer service, actually that's where the shuls took over. And so I think this is such an interesting point to consider. Maybe, just maybe, we have reached a a point in time where the shul has shifted. Maybe, and that's very frightening to say. To even say those words, it's very, very frightening. And, And I would say it a little differently to how most people are saying it. Most people say exactly that. Once upon a time we had a temple and we thought we could never survive without the temple. then the temple was taken away from us. And what happened as as an immediate result of that is that we started having shuls. So because there wasn't the centralized service of bringing the sacrifices, instead we made a prayer service that would remind us of that system and invoke the same kind of impact on high. And, And that's how we got shuls. And now shuls are on lockdown. So some people say now we're going to evolve and move to something completely different. But I say that perhaps this is an indicator that we might go back to the temple. One of the promises we say it every single morning, afternoon, and evening in our prayers. Yehira to mila may it be your will. Hashem adakenev adakenev. I was saying, God, our Father, God of our Father. Sorry, God, our God, and God of our fathers that the temple should be rebuilt. The prophets spoke about a third temple even before there was a second temple. They didn't say it in as many words, but they alluded to the fact that it was going to be a future temple that would never be destroyed. In other words, we and we say it every single Shabbos, and we say it every Rosh Chodesh, and we say it every single Yom Tiv, we say... Please allow us the opportunity to reinstate the temple service in your temple. So maybe this is a reversing of the process. Maybe the destruction of the temple which pushed us into the shuls has now reached the end of that era of history. And maybe now there's the closing of the shuls so we can go back to the temple. Think about that. I mean, that that definitely should uh, scare some people and motivate some people. I think... What do you think? Let's hear your thoughts. Some nice messages coming through. I will get to some more of them. 34519. If you're going to send us an SMS, telegram messages to 0618951019. And people like social media at Chai FM is the tweet, the Twitter handle or directly to me at Rabbi Shish. As an essential service provider, sorry, as an essential service provider, Discam is open. And with you all the way, Discam is working tirelessly to ensure that our shelves are stocked and we can provide you with all your necessary essentials. During this lockdown period, our dispensary and clinics are open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. weekdays, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekends. Discam is pharmacists who care. You know and love his music. And now you can catch Hanan Ben-Ari for a personal concert from his home to yours. Catch Hanan Ben-Ari this Friday at 1 p.m. for his pre-Shabbat concert. Follow it on Facebook and we will post the link on the Chai FM Facebook page to 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. There we are. We're uh, talking about Shul and it immediately gets the juices flowing. So I don't care what anybody says about it. I'm managing just fine without Shul. Yes, so how come there's this flurry of messages and people are saying all the different theories that they have about how Shul operates and what it's about and why we don't have it right now. Clearly, clearly we are missing it. Clearly. yes. Michael on uh, Telegram who says, Two thoughts. Why is a virtual minion not a minion? We do live in an electronic age. And number two, I have a feeling we will not be in shul for the high holidays. So, Michael, I don't think we have the capacity in the uh, time allotted to go into the full halachic assessment of it. But I think the point is that, quite simply, it's the gathering of people. Basically, what we're told is that every one of us is a spark of godliness. That's what a soul is. When you put enough of those sparks together, ten people... Into the same physical environment, the collective souls in that space generate the special godliness that a minion achieves. So then you could say, Kaddish, do the various things that you have to do. If, there, if it was something you could access remotely, we would have no concept of a minion. We would just simply all pray at the same time. But the physical proximity of people is what ignites that specific soul power. To your second point, you have a feeling that we will not be in for the high holidays. I'm not sure. I've been thinking back and forth about it. Everything we know is that we know nothing. And I, I definitely think there is a chance, possibly even a, a good chance, that we won't be in by the high holidays. And if we are, there's also a good chance that we'll have to have limited crowds. So I think we've got a scenario planned for that, but we're in May and we've got a bit of time. We have more pressing issues. We have Pesach Sheni, which is a special holiday tonight and tomorrow. Doesn't really affect us being in lockdown. Then we have Lag Boimer next week, which is supposed to be a time of tremendous unity. It's a time where people are supposed to get together and specifically a time to be in the outdoors. Well, that ain't going to happen unless you're doing your Lag Boimer experience between 6 and 9 a.m., Not long after that, in just three weeks' time, is the holiday of Shavuot. Shavuot is a time where people get together to stay through the night and study together. And, of course, one of the most important Torah readings of the entire year, to read the Ten Commandments, Inshul, men, women, and children, which should have happened on Shavuot, but that's not going to happen. So, there's a lot of other things, I think, that we need to think about before we get to the high holidays, but... I definitely agree that we should be thinking ahead and planning ahead and scenario planning. You're absolutely right about that. So I wonder what it means to people. People took such a knock over not having shul on Pesach. So can you imagine if we don't have shul on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Can you imagine? But then again, we have to be optimistic. That is the Jewish way. We don't talk about doom and gloom for the future. In fact, on the contrary, the thing that we speak about, we see that when the world is in weird space and weird times, that that means there's a lot greater opportunity for good, specifically the good of Moshiach coming. And I'm a firm believer in that. Yes, Dorita says on a scale of one to ten, ten. But I wouldn't want to rush the process if it's not safe yet. So I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And she continues. Many of us are missing our shul. It is difficult to pray with the kids around the dining room table indefinitely. There is a piece of the experience, both social and spiritual, that is missing. Again, some people will tell you the spiritual part might just be missing because we've become so used to it. And maybe we should be open and be ready to accept a different reality, if that is appropriate. Um. Here's somebody who says, I'm not at all missing shul myself, but I think it is very important to get communities back to shul. So there probably are other people who would resonate with that. Listen, personally, I'm good. I'm good. Got a nice, healthy space. I'm focused. I get the meaning that I need. I'm doing the learning. I think Moishi um, uh, alluded to that earlier. You know, I've got, I've got this wonderful opportunity to learn and to connect and it's a lot less pressured. And, but it's good for the community to be back in Shul. Let's not forget that a community is merely a collection of individuals. So you can't really talk about the community getting back to Shul if you're not feeling that you want to get back to Shul because who's going to be that community then, right? Um, here's somebody. Michael says, I'm just going to Shul a great deal. It is our most vital connection to Judaism in the quote-unquote real world. But I have to say that I'm impressed by the presence of many Chabad rabbis online. I think the virtual world opens up new opportunities for learning, communication, and authenticity. It's quite ironic. Whoever would have thought, whoever would have dreamed that we'd talk about the virtual world opening up opportunities for authenticity. I'd love to hear your comments on that. It's such an interesting observation. And to say that Shul is the most vital connection to Judaism, is that true? For many people, perhaps it is because many people don't necessarily have the knowledge or the the capacity to read Hebrew or just are not in a position to create that same kind of meaningful environment at home. So if somebody is in that position and they need the shul in order to provide it for them, gotcha. You're 100% right. It is the most vital point of connection. But was it intended that way? Was it intended? I'm not sure. So two questions on Michael's comments. Number one. Would you agree that shul is the most vital connection that we have to Judaism? And number two, it's off topic, but it definitely tickled my interest. An authentic experience in a virtual space. Wow, what an oxymoron, as far as you know, as far as it seems logically. Uh, Here's Wardy, who says, number one, I miss the anticipation of seeing everyone at shul and davening in a group that the whole family feel. Nowadays, Shabbat feels like a break only from social media. So true. So true. For You know, under ordinary circumstances, Shabbat's, I don't have to get into the car. I don't have to go back and forth. There is no school. I'm not in the office. now. I'm not. Barely in the car. Essential items only. And that's assuming that I can't get them with online shopping. Barely in the car. Certainly not in the office. And... Kids are not at school. So what does Shabbos give me? Oh, a break from devices. Thanks. Devices might well be the only thing that's keeping us sane at the moment. So that's not necessarily only shul that you're missing. I think that's missing a normal Shabbos experience. And then he says, if schools can open, why can't religious gatherings? And there are so many young single people and old people who are not experiencing the shul family. And logic dictates that these people must be very lonely and depressed. I think many are, sadly. And that's the tragedy of all of this. I don't know if you can compare schools and schools just simply because yes, we're talking about opening up schools. No, it's not across the board. And if, if I understand correctly, and I do stand to be correct, but if I understand correctly, uh, we're talking, the government is talking about opening up, um, senior high school, particularly the matrix. And our biggest issue with Shul's is the interaction between young and old and the possibility of children being asymptomatic characters, carriers. But this is not a medical show. This is a fresh thinking show. So we're not going to talk about the medical possibilities. We're going to talk more about the spiritual reality that we're dealing with and what do you make of it. What does it say to you? Um, yeah, a few people talking, just saying very simply, Miss Shul a lot, which of course is valid. It's nice when people add a little bit more, uh, detail, flesh it out a little bit. So if you can, please do that and don't, don't just send the one out of ten because it doesn't really help us understand what you're talking about. Love to hear your thoughts. Three, four, five, one, nine. That's our SMS line. Send a tweet at Chai FM or to me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is fresh thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Yep. I'm glad to see that people are looking forward to shul, missing shul, that's good. It's good for business. I'm a rabbi. It's also good to show that the Jewish pulse is beating in a healthy fashion. It's also good to see that some people are questioning it and saying, who says? Who says we need to have it? Because that tells you that people are nimble and that people are keen not to wait for shul to happen before they have a spiritual experience, but are keen to make it happen in their own space. Here's somebody else who sent a message who says, I am missing it. Not at all. It's more meaningful for my children. I usually go Friday nights with the kids and it's lively and fun and they love it. But let them be around kids like themselves. But for myself, question mark. <laughs> and that's similar to school, right? There's a lot of parents who really, really believe in the importance of school right now, primarily because they are locked down with their kids and loads of work. So let's get the kids back to school. Sometimes the motivation, unfortunately, is a motivation just because it's easier. Maybe it's easier to get kids back to shul. Here's Mike on Telegram. It says, alone at home with an overload of housework and extreme ADHD. I must go to shul at a fixed time. I always feel a different energy in a shul, full or empty. It has an accumulation of prayers and blessings and terror in the building. Generally, I have fallen out of davening. That's very honest from Mike, and I think it's probably true for many people. When you have a routine, then you follow the routine, and you're good with the routine, and everything's great. When you don't have that routine, and you don't have the schedule around you, you don't have the external pressure, it's far easier to fall off the bandwagon. So absolutely, I think Mike is right. But I love what you said about the fact that the shul is full. They tell a story about the Baal Shem Tov that on one occasion he traveled with his students and they got to a shul and he wouldn't walk inside and he said that there was no room inside the shul and the students said, what do you mean? The shul is empty. He said, no, no, all the prayers, the prayers are in the shul and unfortunately these prayers were not said with the right focus and intention and passion so they've never left and the shul is overcrowded with prayers that have never ascended. I don't think that's what Mike means. I think Mike means that there's an energy that is absorbed into the space and you walk in there. You feel that aura. That's that's true. I I really think that's a very valid point. Here's Karen also on Telegram says, I'm missing the social interaction, but manage to daven at home. Um, Yes, a lot of people do miss the social interaction. You know what's interesting is, I think there's two sides to this argument, and neither one is exclusively right. The one side to this argument says, God is everywhere. So you're not totally reliant on the shul, in order to have the opportunity to connect. We go to Shul because collectively, and I think that's subconsciously what a lot of people are saying by missing the social interaction. Yes, of course you're missing the social interaction. But it's not the only place where you interact socially. It's possible to interact in a variety of places. But what happens in Shul is more than just social interaction. It is spiritual social interaction. In other words, what's going on over there is you actually have an experience of connecting with people and you ride on each other's energy and everybody's kind of pushing each other and lifting each other and inspiring each other. That's interesting. That's what you don't have at home. So God is everywhere, absolutely. just means you have to work a little bit harder at home. Like Mike says, you can easily fall out of this, the, the prayer experience when you're at home. Why? Because you don't have the environment. You don't have the peer experience. So that's the value of shul. On the one hand. So on the one hand, there's an the argument that says all about, well, the interaction or no interaction. Can I replace what I have at, sh- at home? You probably could to a very large degree with a correct kind of focus. But I think there's another side to this as well. What's my life about? Why is it that people were so up in arms over the fact that they were not allowed to walk their dog? Why is it that the single thing that everybody petitioned the government was that they should be allowed to exercise? Surely you've got a treadmill at home. If you don't have a treadmill, surely you can put on a screen and do a Zumba class, or make your own. How did we used to do it in the old days? What was it called? The Swiss, the Swiss Army, I think it was called the Swiss Army exercise routine, or the Canadian Mounties. I, I can't remember who it was. That yeah, they had the this uh, exercise routine. It was like ten minutes of intense workout every single day. And that's what you used to do: do your push-ups, do your sit-ups, jogging on the spot, squats, whatever it is. You do it at home, why was everybody so up in arms about, I've got to get out? Because there was something that, that at the end of the day, people really resonate with and really care about. And the question is about shul. How? I don't think the question is, should we open the shuls tomorrow? Should we petition the government? Let's rely on the medical professionals to tell us. But how do we feel about it? How do we feel about it? In Judaism, we talk a lot about what you can and can't have. That's one topic how you should feel about what you can and can't have. That's a different topic. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago we read about Aaron and how his two sons went into the sanctuary just after it had been built, the tabernacle in the desert, and they brought an inappropriate fire, and as a direct result of that, they both died. And Moses turns around and he says, Wow, they did the wrong thing, that's for sure. They for sure did the wrong thing. Don't go into a danger zone, it's the wrong thing to do. But the fact that they wanted it so desperately, the fact that they were so driven and passionate to have that connection, wow, that's impressive. And that invokes the story of tomorrow. Tomorrow on the Jewish calendar is a lesser known special day. It is called Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni basically means the second Pesach. So don't, don't panic. doesn't mean that you have to now go clean your house again. But basically, the story of the second Pesach is in the days of the temple, if a person was in a position that they were unable to bring the Pesach sacrifice on Pesach, they were given a second shot at it exactly 30 days later. That's Pesach Shemi. But the history of that story is what's so interesting. The history is that it was in the desert. The Jews were now coming to celebrate the first anniversary. Big miracle, exodus from Egypt they had experienced it personally it was a huge thing in their lives, it was probably the epicenter of their whole lives and the way to celebrate is you bring this Pesach Sacrifice and in order to bring the Pesach Sacrifice you had to be in a state of what is called Tahara ritual purity and the kind of thing that would disqualify a person from ritual purity would be direct contact with a dead body and there are different variants, variations of the story, exactly who the crowd was But there was a crowd at the time who, due to circumstances, were not in that state of ritual purity. So one version in the Talmud is that they were the people who were carrying the remains of Joseph and his brothers from Egypt. Another version is they were the people who were taking care of Aaron's two sons and seen to their burial. And there's a lot of discussion around exactly who these people were. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is they came to Moses when they were told the laws. Everybody is going to have the celebration. Everybody will have this opportunity to connect to God. And they suddenly realized, except us. And they came to Moshe and they said, gara. Why should we be any less than the rest of the population? Why should we have to lose out And she says, I'll I'll be honest, I don't know the answer actually, but I'll consult with God and I'll come back to you. Because up until that point, there was no ruling on people who were not in a position to bring the Pesach offering. So he says, I'll consult with God and I'll come back to you. And he goes and he speaks to God, and God introduces a brand new law, a brand new section of the Torah that was not given at Sinai, a brand new festival on the Jewish calendar that had never been part of that calendar called Pesach Shaini which allows people like that to sort themselves out and be ready a month later to bring the sacrifice. And there's something about that story that I think is our take-home message over here today, which I'll tell you in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Patricia, on the Chai FM Facebook page, says, Missing Shul, more than I ever thought I would. Love that answer, especially because Patricia's a member of our shul. <laughs> so that's, that's so encouraging. Good for business. Good for business. So I was busy telling you about the story of Pesach Shani and, and I think it's the take home for us because something radical happened at that point in time. There was this tiny group of people there couldn't have been more than a dozen people who petitioned or maybe a few dozen people out of three million Jews and they petitioned Boishe, and they said, We can't handle this. We can't handle being locked out. We can't handle the fact that everybody has the opportunity to connect to God, but we don't have the opportunity to connect to God. And as a direct result of that, something new came to light. A new way of connecting. A new festival. A new revelation. A new part of the Torah. I really feel that this is something relevant for us, especially considering that tonight and tomorrow is Pesach Shemi, so it's timeless. But I feel it's very relevant to us because it's easy to say, I'm going to be very cerebral about this, very rational about it. The Torah says clearly, and, and I really personally feel this way, the Torah says clearly that you put even the slightest concern about a threat to life above everything. It cancels everything. It overrides Shabbos. It overrides Yom Tov. It overrides Yom Kippur. It overrides everything. It certainly overrides Being in shul and having that wonderful kichel and heron, definitely overrides that. But I shouldn't be so rational about it. Because as a Jewish person, I should feel all I want is to be able to have the opportunity to connect. So it's nice to say, and I'll say it too, that at home I can connect. I really can. But can I really? I mean, I'll have my moments. I'll have my time where I dive in with absolute focus. I'll also have my time where there's a lot of commotion around or I'm just not in the mood or and, and I'll just go through the motions. Pesach Shaini teaches us that it's specifically when you feel the urge, when you are desperate, please let me in. Please let me connect and I'll prove it because I'm going to do things to try everything in my power to connect. I'm going to read. I'm going to daven. I'm going to connect online. I'm going to be part of the Zoom shiurim, whatever it is, because I want to show you how much I care about this. I'm not just going to pay lip service to how wonderful it would be to have shul again. I'm going to do everything in my power to replicate that opportunity now, and I'm going to be bitter over the fact that I have to put in so much effort and that, and that I can't just connect in the normal way. That's the message of Pesach Sheni. When you shout and scream and pound and say, Gora, Why do we have to lose out? Why do we have to reinvent everything in our own homes using our own resources? Why can't we lean on each other? Why can't we connect with each other? Why can't we pray together? Why can't we say a Kaddish? That's when the miracles happen. That's when the Pesach Shenis happen. That's when God introduces things we never imagined possible. And let's not make that mistake of saying, Please, God, when things go back to normal, we don't want back to normal. We want better than normal. We want more than what we had before. We want a deeper spiritual experience, not just the same old shul. I think it's a special time, Pesach Shemi. A lot of power, a lot of potential. Judaism says that every time a festival repeats, the energy and opportunity of the festival repeats. We have an opportunity. Dear God, Loma gara, why should we be locked out? open the doors, take us back, not into our shells, into your embrace, into Jerusalem, into our temple. Please God, that should happen now. Have a wonderful Shabbos.